Welcome to the Davy Tree Expert Company's podcast, Talking Trees. I'm your host, Doug Oster. Each episode showcases one of Davy's certified arborists sharing advice with everyone about caring for your trees and landscapes. We'll talk about everything from introduced pests, seasonal tree care, deer damage, how to make your trees thrive, and much, much more. Tune in every Thursday to learn more because here at the Talking Trees podcast, we know trees are the answer. Our guest is Eric Countryman. He is a certified arborist and district manager for the Davy Tree Expert Company. Welcome to the podcast, Eric. Hey, thanks, Doug. Yeah, we, we know trees are good. You know, you learn that in elementary school, but I don't think people really think about the specifics of why trees are so good for the landscape. Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, trees do give several, you know, benefits to to your property, to the health of a community. Um, studies have shown that, you know, for a personal reason, they can uh, increase a property value up to about twenty percent. Um, they can provide just a lot more beauty and softness to, you know, a stark or you know, concrete, you know, area. And uh, it also, some studies have shown <clears throat> that it can decrease energy costs. Uh, for a homeowner uh, by up to like 12%. So they can be financially helpful. They can, and then just, you know, pretty to look at. They, um, trees, you know, naturally absorb carbon dioxide and produce oxygen. So that's always, you know, good for us. And then some other studies have shown that in neighborhoods that have a proper tree canopy, that uh, crime rates are lower. So as far as when we talk about, uh, the, the cost of, of heating the home or cooling the home, having trees around there, certainly, you know, in my case, I'm living in an oak forest and I certainly understand the benefits of that shade canopy on top of the house. Well, sure. It's, it's not only just shade from the sun, but you also get airflow underneath the trees and then can almost kind of canopy some of that in as well. So you're not getting it all just blasting right through or blowing right away. So I think many people look at the, the beauty angle. Uh, when they're looking at a tree to add to the landscape. Talk a little bit about that, but also talk about when we're this time of the year looking around at the bones of the garden, which I consider, you know, the trees and shrubs. Uh, If we want to add a tree, what, what are some of the things that we should think about when thinking about adding a tree to the landscape? So I'd say, you know, from the beauty component, Trees add an element of height to a landscaping. So as you're planning out uh, how it's going to look from the curb, uh, a tree on the corner can kind of help, you know, steer your eye toward your front door, which is pretty typical in landscape, you know, design. Um, and then, then it just can help lower the height if some, uh, if, you know, a building or a home is very imposing. Uh, having trees in the front can help sort of bring that height down, just could be more visually appealing and just make you feel more comfortable. I mean, the biggest thing that I feel people miss is realizing how big a tree is going to get and then how close they put it to their home. Um, You know, you do need to do your research on, you know, the size this is going to get and do I need to plant it 10 feet away, 20 feet away? Does it need to be on the other side of the yard? Uh, That could uh, keep you from having a lot of trouble with it down the line. Well, I think you and I are on the same page here because as we drive by, especially new construction, but as we drive by properties, 
I know that anybody that loves trees, you get upset when you see them planted in the wrong spot. Yeah. Right tree, right place. I think that's, uh, you know, if you, if you don't have the room for it to grow high due to power lines and you need to plant low growing trees, if it can't get wide, you need to plant, you know, skinny columnar ones. Uh, and if you have a great big front yard with lots of space and, you know, plant the biggest oak you can find and let it grow. Well, you'll like the story. I tell it often uh, when when talking about planting trees. But a friend of mine brought in a plant marker from a tree and she said, Doug, I planted this in a container. What do you think? And it was a magnolia. And I looked at the, at the uh, mature height was 30 feet. <laughs> and I, and I, 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 I said, I said, Brenda, you can't. You, you can't plant that in the container. It's going to get 30 feet tall. And she told me, well, she, I'll just trim it off the top. <laughs> and when, <laughs> when, when, when you hear the word top, does, yeah. does your head explode? <laughs> uh, yeah, it does. I mean, if you're, if, Hey, if you want to keep it in a pot, that's probably going to be your only option, but it's not going to be a healthy tree or a healthy, well, at that point, shrub, you know, what is it? A topiary at that point, right. but specifically for plant, you know, trees in our landscaping, you know, the quote topping indiscriminately cutting it off just at, you know, 20 feet high or making it totally round is it's uh, it just leads to greater problems for your tree. It, the suckering growth that comes after you do that is less strong. It's less healthy. Uh, it's more susceptible to drought stress it's more susceptible to heat stress and those um, openings where you had made those cuts and all these suckers are coming out just are going to rot straight in. So now you're going to have even less holding wood as this thing matures. And it's just not going to be um, really, it's not a problem solver. If the tree has really gotten too large and you feel like that's the only thing you can do with it, it's probably time to think about total removal and replacement. Yeah. I think there's nothing worse than, than seeing a tree that's been topped and, you know, the times I see it here in the city are, are mostly around power lines. It's just inevitable that the, the tree is going to degrade when it's continually top cut it. Absolutely. Yeah. It, uh, once you do it once, you're going to have to do it constantly because the growth that comes out is not good. And so when something, you know, a typical big tree, you say every three to five years, you know, a top tree, it's almost every one to two. And when we look at a, when we're thinking about planting a tree and we're poking around uh, at the nursery and we're looking at plant tags, that was one of the interesting things I think about that story was that the the gardener could have read that plant tag, but brought the plant tag to me to, to read it. <laughs> yeah, You know, know yeah. how big, like, as we talked, know how big it's going to get. But when it says it's going to be 30 feet tall, it doesn't stop at 30 feet, does it? It just might slow down there. How does that work? Uh, yeah, when you're you're talking max height, I think it's more, you know, average. It also depends on how it's planted, where it's planted, the sunlight it gets. If it's going to be reaching for sun for whatever reason, it may grow taller faster because it's just trying to get toward light. Um, also, you know, pruning on it constantly could lead to faster and harder growth. But typically, if it says mature height, 30 feet, once it hits about that 30 feet mark, it's going to slow down. You're, and it's not, you might get an inch a year, not six inches. And so when someone's looking at a tree, it's so hard for them, even though they know how big it's going to get, when they put it in place, it looks great that day. But in in five years, yes. that's how you have to think about this. You're thinking five, 10, 20, 30 years down the road as a mature specimen. 
Yes, and and that is something you have to think about, and and you may not really be able to uh, do that yourself. That's why there are arborists available. Uh, you know, there's plenty of ways to contact an arborist, such as myself, who'd be happy to come out and give you some guidance and and some suggestions, maybe of better ideas, or or go, yeah, that that tree sounds perfect. And then one thing I think is interesting is that if you do have a tree problem, you can call a certified arborist like yourself from the Davy Tree Expert Company, and you'll come out and help them right and it's it's no no cost and you will tell them of the problem with a tree yeah, absolutely yeah we do uh provide you know kind of free uh visits to people's homes we do then make suggestions obviously and there could be a cost associated with that depending upon what it is and what the um remedy is but you know for us to initially come out and take a look around yeah, absolutely Talk about how important that is to have an expert come look. Uh, you know, the, the worst thing you can do, especially with, with a, a, a nice looking tree, is just to start after it on your own, not knowing what you're doing. You know, why not have an expert take a look at it? You know what? I agree. But, in, you know, in the age of YouTube, it seems like you can become an expert in anything. But, uh, you know, some things are just out of a homeowner's reach. You know, you're talking a, a large oak tree. There's only so much you're going to be able to do if you don't know how to get yourself up in the air to take care of it. So, but we, you know, I'm a trained arborist. I went to college for, you know, science, uh, for biology. And then uh, through 15 years of work with Davey, have you know, learned more and more and more about trees that I notice things faster and than you you could ever think of to look up on YouTube. And, um, you know, there's especially, we also keep ourselves current with coming disease problems, insect problems, and can advise you sometimes for uh, ways to prevent having issues uh, long before we have to come out there and try to fix them. Well, I'm glad you brought up diseases because I wanted to discuss a little bit about the pruning season, you know, most of the deciduous trees in the east uh, are dormant now. And, and I know there are some diseases that are just devastating to certain plants that for that reason, we're only pruning things this time of the year. Yes. Um, there are the, the two big ones. The two most common are um, Dutch elm disease with, uh, associated with American elms and um, oak wilt which is sort of a problem for both red and white oaks species. And both of them are a, a fungal disease that is carried into the tree via insects and also from open wounds on the tree. So by pruning in the winter, the wound problem isn't uh, an issue because the tree's dormant and it's not going to uh, infect any, and the fungal uh, disease isn't really present, the spores aren't present. And uh, the insects are also not present to be the vectors to carry the disease in. So um, we do not, you know, here in the Pittsburgh area, I do know, you know, throughout most of Pennsylvania, Ohio, we don't do a lot of, we don't do any pruning unless it's absolutely necessary for a safety reason for an oak or an elm uh, until about middle of October till about the end of March. That's about the, what we classify as the dormant season. Uh, the only other new one are beech trees. Uh, with the beech canker, we're, you know, that's more transmitted via uh, an insect as well. But it's another disease that is getting into the trees that we're uh, finding. It's probably better to prune them when they're dormant just again to cut down on any sort of extra transmission. And then for other trees in the landscape, 
what should we be pruning and what shouldn't we be pruning? I know, I know there's hundreds of different varieties, but is there a general pattern for, for things that we, we do and don't want to prune during this, this season? It's not necessarily what kind. I think it's more what for, uh, if that makes any sense. I think dormant pruning time is a great time uh, to prune out uh, more structurally the inside of your trees, because you can see them. Yeah, you know, with the leaves out, we can see where there's crossing branches, more deadwood. We can see the structural integrity of the tree. Um, during your active growing season, you do that a lot. You do pruning more for appearance. You know, clearance from the house. The leaves are on. You can see how you know how big something is. So, um, you know, raising the canopies up because they're getting too low over the garden once the leaves are on. So that I guess it's more for different reasons. Um, I, I just personally don't want to prune a flowering tree until after flowered. Right. Um, just because you're going to cut the blossoms off, it's not going to look as pretty. I don't think it'll hurt really any species that I know of, but it's just not going to have the best flowering show. Yeah, something like a dogwood that already has its buds on it. You know, that's something that I want to wait. I want to wait and see the flowers, you know, yeah. and yeah. unless, unless, like you said, unless there's a safety issue, unless there's, you know, it's a crossing branch. Yeah. It's going to bloom, but uh, are you going to get to it in the spring? Uh, so lots of things to think about there, you know, for you, what do you get out of this job? Why is it right for you? Well, um, you know, when I was in college, I wanted to be a doctor actually. And um, turns out that I didn't want to be in school for that long. Uh, and it's not going to be the right thing for me, uh, education-wise and career-wise. So um, what this gave me the opportunity was is to act, you know, like a, quote, doctor. I, I get to examine a patient. I get to uh, suggest and provide a treatment and, and alleviate, you know, whatever the problem is. And, or, or, you know, sometimes you have to give the right option that it's it's time that the tree's got to go. And I get to work with people in their homes. And I there's definite a value in um, being someone's expert, giving them solid advice, it working, and then, you know, getting enjoyment and satisfaction over having a nice looking house. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that uh, enjoyment and satisfaction and what it feels like to give a homeowner that, you know, uh, basically a piece of, you know, it's a peace of mind. Yeah. I mean, especially when we get called, you know, called out and, you know, we're, we're, oh my goodness, my shrubs are getting decimated by bagworms. You know, we need help. And you go out and not only do you see the bagworm problem, but there's scale on magnolias and we've got hemlock, woolly adelgid, and we provide, uh, you know, a thorough comprehensive plan. And once, and they, they say, okay, you know, Eric, we're going to trust you. And then we always hope to deliver. And we, and if we do, you know, the next year, boy, that just looks so much different. Uh, everything's looking greener. It's looking healthier. The stress is off of them and they just think it's the greatest thing. And it makes me feel good that I would, you know, I put my mind to use, came up with a solution and it really worked. And it's always very, it's always very fulfilling that way. You know, I'm glad you brought up hem hemlock woolly adelgid because that's what happened with me. I had guys from Davy here. I have to have a team from Davy here about once a year living in an Oak forest, something falls, something's not right. <laughs> but when they came to work on my Oaks, that's what they realized was a, a big problem for me was that hemlock woolly adelgid. And even though as a, a, you know, a garden person and someone who spends a lot of time looking at their trees, I, I hadn't seen that hemlock woolly adelgid. And I'm so glad that they pointed that out to me because I was able to start treatment, get it under control. And 
you know, I, again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have seen it. So that was definitely a, a great, uh, a great thing that happened when they visited. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, again, we were talking about this before, but the benefit of having an arborist come to your property, even if, you know, you don't, you aren't sure you have a problem. And then always the best thing is, you know, okay, well, you, you know, my dog would have had spots and what can I do about it? And we help you with, you know, have an answer for that. And hopefully, you know, the arborist is out there and he's explaining there's some other things I've noticed. Would you like to talk about it? But you can always ask, hey, want to look around? <laughs> Tell me what you think. And the homeowner and see, I mean, pick, pick the brains, get as much advice as you can. I mean, they're there. You might as well. Well, since I have you here, I'm going to pick your brain. Uh, All right. So as someone who works with trees all the time, are there some things that, that you have in your mind, trees that that aren't planted as often as they should be, that you love, that 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 you think, gosh, you know, if more people planted this, they, they would sure be happy to, to see what it does in the landscape. Yeah, I think, and it's kind of a, a more of a native one that I just don't see planted anywhere near enough. It's American hornbeams, all, you know, called ironwoods. And we do plant the European ones. They're very tight, kind of, you know, very formal looking, maybe not for everybody, um, but they're they're generally pretty strong. Well, you don't see a lot of disease or insect issues with them. They don't get very large. And what's kind of cool about them is if you've ever been in the woods and you see, you know, trees look like they have leaves on them in the winter, it's usually your hornbeams because they'll hold brown leaves till the spring. So it gives you a little bit of winter interest as well. And uh, as a native species, I just think it's it's totally undervalued. You know, you made me feel so good because about three years ago, <laughs> I put in an American hornbeam where I had <laughs> where I had lost an oak. So I think I'm on the right track. Is there, there one, is there one more you can think of uh, that you like that that doesn't get planted as much as as you wish it could? So the other would be more of a larger shade tree would be uh, like a black gum. Sometimes they're called a tupelo gum. Mm -hmm. um, they're just, a, again, another great kind of strong tree, which we don't see a lot of issue with. And um, their fall color is gorgeous. It's kind of a purple. And they, they add, uh, if you got a lot of maple trees, sometimes that can get a little bit repetitive. And you add some of those purple trees in there in the fall, and it's really gorgeous. What's the best thing about your job, Eric? I, I really, I enjoy mostly, like I said, diagnosing problems. I like, you know, researching about new insects, new disease problems and how we can handle it and fix it and how we can get ahead of it. And then helping people make, make a plan for that. You know, pruning is important. Um, but I, it's sometimes it's not, uh, it's mentally challenging. Um, now it could be, you know, how to get this tree pruned when it's in the backyard surrounded by six houses, no access, you know, we got to figure all that out for safety, but it's just not quite the same as, you know, uh, pulling out the hand lens and finding mites on a, you know, bush then we couldn't figure out what's wrong with it and, and then providing a good solution. You know, Eric, during this season, is there anything that people should be looking for specifically in their trees during the winter? There is one specific thing, and I'm actually concerned about it this year due to the kind of harsh weather we had in this area uh, through 2020, and it's uh, called winter desiccation. And it's basically the drying out or browning out of your usually ornamental trees and particularly shrubs. And what happens is, is the root system on these plants with the drought we had and, 
are, are going to be really damaged. They're going to be smaller. They're not going to be as healthy. And if we get a really cold winter where the ground really freezes, the root, the little bit of roots they have are just not going to be able to pull in any water. And if it gets windy, then they'll really dry out on their leaves and then they'll turn brown. And we see this coming out of winter into spring and suddenly all your boxwoods just look brown on one side. And that's a could be, you know, it's a, a big problem. And once it happens, there's not a lot we can do to fix it. So I do hope, you know, pe- once it starts warming up that we're, you know, watering is needed, fertilizing to maybe get these plants a little healthier. And uh, if you do have like an exposed hedge that's going to get hit hard by wind, it might be thoughtful to put up a, like a burlap barrier just to protect them from the wind. So maybe they won't dry out quite so fast and uh, we'll be able to hold their green colors. Oh, Eric, this has been great information. I appreciate your time, and it was fun to talk to you, and I learned so much. Oh, I was happy to be here. Anytime. Remember, tune in every Thursday to the Talking Trees podcast from the Davy Tree Expert Company. Next week, it's all about invasive species like the emerald ash borer. Until then, remember, trees are the answer. <laughs>